right. Welcome back, everybody. It is uh, almost 10 o'clock on June 8th, and today has been a powerful day for podcasting. You may say, what do you mean? Well, yesterday I got out 2022 Memoria, episode 15. Today I did 2014, 2006, 2016, 2009, and 2018. School uh, schools are starting to shut down, and the last thing that they want kids don't want to get tutored, and uh, school bosses they're all at happy hours. So gave me a little downtime. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Um, so. Let's plow through this. 2013. Like I said, this is our sixth podcast of the day. Figured 2013 was probably a good one. We've been bouncing back and forth. Went 2022, then back to 2014, then all the way back to 2006, back up to 2016, back to 2009, up to 2018. Figured this would be a good one to just get another um, first podcast of a different winner and this one was brad a another i don't know if we want to call it an unexpected run i mean it was a legit win it didn't he didn't have the degree of difficulty to get to the championship uh that say christian did in 2018 but when you look at his 2013 season i mean brad went seven and four we played 11 regular season games just give a little context here uh, we were at this point uh, 10 teams. And yeah, everybody's in the league now, with the exception of Rob RIP. Brian R took over for him a couple years later, but we're, you know, a pretty strong understanding of what our team is or what our league is, I should say. Brad seven and four. Justin B goes nine and two. Nick H goes seven and four. It was kind of the top that you had there. Jeremy P six and five. Bobby L six and five. But this was more of a fraudulent six and five for Bobby. His team wasn't that good. Jeremy was a really good six and five team. Um, Brad seven and four. SOS of 65, so it wasn't like he was like consistently just crushing it, uh, if that makes any sense there. I mean, he had a good team, but it, you know, his he won with an SOS percentage of 49%. Usually you don't see people win the title with a number that low. Um the rounded out, KCG goes five and six, Brian G goes five and six, Rob B goes five and six. Brian S goes five and six, and uh, the colossal disaster that was the JH freshman team, twenty thirteen, uh, goes zero and eleven, and it's a pretty pretty terrible experiment, um, colossal, uh, a colossal disaster. So, Brad A, kind of a conventional path here. Jeremy and Bob play in the opener. 
Jeremy goes 173.8 to 153.8. Jeremy wins. Brad A defeats KCG 193 to 182.2. So again, pretty straightforward. Nothing too big or exciting there. Justin B defeats Jeremy P. I mean, some epic showdowns between these two. 242.3 to 223.8. So Jeremy, the hard luck loser, he has the second highest score of the week, but he plays Justin B and loses. Brad A wins 215 to 172.4 over Nick H. So Brad A advances again after winning in the semis and then takes on Justin B in the finals. And what, you know, we covered this a little bit in the improbable uh, run, but we'll, we'll just run through it really quick here again. JB didn't know whether to play Manziel. Um, he plays Manziel, struggles, goes nineteen, uh, goes for 19.5 points. Really, Brad got some help from other players, and he needed it. Brad had some really low players, too. I mean, you look at it, Darren Reeves gets him almost 20. Derek Carr, again, 63.7. Derek Carr in his two playoff appearance uh, games – Average of 520 passing yards, six and a half touchdowns passing, and uh, half an interception. You're going to win a lot when you do that. Um, he threw for 45 touchdowns and five interceptions throughout the entire year and almost 4,500 yards. Like, But Carr played his best ball at the end. So Carr gets him 63.7. Reeves gets him 19.7. Zoe Harris, the one point as we talked about. Sims, though, Sims and Willie Sneed from West Virginia and Ball State respectively go for 31.9 and 30.3, and Isaiah Burst gets him 25.6. That was really it. Ryan Grant only got him six and a half. Zane Fakes, one of uh, 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 an all-Brad name player, only gets 5.1. He gets uh, from Nebraska special teams and defense, 5.1 and 5 collectively. Justin didn't really have anyone go all the way off either. So he had Manziel at 19.5. Brandon Oliver, running back um, from Buffalo, 18. Kadeem Carey gets him 21.7. Antonio Andrews gets him 27.7. So those two guys from Arizona and Western Michigan, respectively. But no one kind of like exploded. And he kind of needed that since that Manziel underperformed there. Tommy Schuler got him 23.7. So he had a lot of really Solid guys. If he would have just had the quarterback play, it would have worked out because he outscored Brad in special teams and defense 34 to 9. So he made up some room there. Eric Ebron, 17.1 points. Paul Richardson, 9.4. So Brad was a very deserving winner. Seven and four in the regular season and goes on a tear in the playoffs. And again, when you look at Brad's top players throughout the year. Like, who gave him those explosive plays to make his team a title winner? Again, it really starts with Carr, but you got to look at some of the other performances along the way that maybe helped support um, support his team. So, but really, it is Carr. Um, the only other one that you have to make mention of in that opening round contest where Brad defeats Casey 193 to 182.2, I mean, 
Derek Carr was on by that week. So Rakeem Cato had to step up. And he stepped up to the tune of 33 completions, 456 yards, five touchdowns, an interception, and 13 rushing yards for 52.3 points. But when you look at the top performers of the entire year for Brad, Derek Carr, week one, 54.7. Week four, 50.4 points. Week six, 49.8. Week eight, 48.4. Week 10, 51 points, all from Derek Carr. Lonzo Harris gets him 40.6 points. Week 10 as well. So that's where you can start to see Brad's getting some momentum, okay? Derek Carr gets him 42.1 week 11. We talked about Cato's 52.3, but that 13-14 back-to-back, 72.8 and 63.7, threw for 527 and 519 in those two weeks. A combined 13 touchdowns, one interception, 58 rushing yards, and 65 completions. I mean, it was just a monster finish. And I think that's kind of the same thing that we were talking about with Christian, where he had Kyler Murray and some really good supporting players coming down the stretch. It's exactly what Brad had. The biggest thing he had, though, was that backup quarterback performance in week 12. Rakeem Cato was kind of like, uh, I don't know, I guess like Drew Bledsoe coming off the bench, right, and winning a game. Cato came off the bench and got, got Brad a big victory there. So that was kind of his run. Really good regular season. And then just finishing it off with dominant play in the playoffs. When we look at 2013 and some of um, some of the performers, since we were a 10-team lead, we had a two all, uh, CFFL, two teams, all CFFL in 2013. Again, we went through all the records. KCG led the way with five players on the all-CFFL teams. Justin B. had four. Brad had three. Jeremy, three. Nick, two. Rob, two. Brian, S, two. Brian, G, one. Bobby and Jay were shut out. So if we were to look at the second team here, second team quarterback was Jordan Lynch from Northern Illinois, 2.48 war. At the running back position, Bishop Sankey, James White, Charles Sims from Washington, Wisconsin, and Houston, respectively, owned by Rob Casey and Brad. Between 1-7 and like a 1-1-4 war. Wide receiver, Chandler Jones from San Jose State. Um, Nick H. Product, 1.45 war. Justin B. had Deontay Greenberry from Houston, 1.39 war. And KCG had Allen Robinson, Penn State, 1.24 war. The two tight ends on the second team, Gator Hoskins, Marshall Gator. What a great name for Casey. Uh, 0.86 war. KCG also had Devin Funches. Uh, 0.4 war at tight end. Brian G at Florida State defense at 0.81 war. And Rob B, Virginia Tech defense at 0.71 war. And if we were to look now at the all-CFFL team for 2013, Derek, the aforementioned Derek Carr, number one, a war of 3.54. So a historical season, not all CFFL team, just because you got to be over four at the quarterback position for a war to make an all CFFL team. But that's certainly Hall of Fame worthy. Absolutely. Um, At the running back position, some pretty good seasons here too. Antonio Andrews, Western Kentucky for Justin B. Kadeem Carey for Justin B. Uh, 2.07 war, so 2.26 and 2.07 war. 
And then Marion Grice from Arizona State for KCG, 1.75 war. It's the first we're hearing about it. And this was mentioned um, before, but when we look talk about 2013, an all-time performance really at the wide receiver position for two players. Um, number one, Brandon Cooks, and this was as good as it got, um, a 3.5 war for Brian S. Nine starts, averaged 37.1, when the league average was 17.71. Uh, so Brandon Cooks, 3.5 war. Jeremy having Devontae Adams, 3.04 war. Massive performances there. And then Brad A. puts Willie Sneed on the first team all CFFL, 2.23. And then another forgotten player, 2013, uh, that really uh, stood out. And this is, man, I'll tell you what. We may be talking about, it's kind of crazy to think this, like, again, with Jeremy. Jeremy gets past Justin. You know, he lost 242.3 to 223.8. We may be talking about some of the all-time players here for Jeremy because some of these guys really crush it. We talk about all-time players. Jason Morrow, 2013 tight end from Texas Tech, a 4.33 war, which is one of the best seasons ever. So Jeremy really put together a great season, even though it's one of his forgotten seasons because – you know, he won the title in 2010. He lost in the championship in 2009. Um, he wins it all in 15 and 16 and then does it again in 21-22. We forget that maybe some of the teams that didn't win it all, there were players on that on some of those teams that were all-time players for him. But we don't remember them as much because they weren't there at the end. Okay. Eric Ebron for Justin, a 1.93 war. I mean, that's a fantastic season from the tight end position. It's just a little overshadowed when you have someone doing something historically historically relevant like Jason Morrow was doing there for Jeremy. And then to round it out at the defense, Jeremy, 2.58 war for Louisville. And Brian S, 1.02 war for Georgia. That rounds out your first team, all CFFL. Okay, and... Really interesting there, some of those names. When we look at the all-time CFFL teams, Brandon Cooks for Brian S. and Jason Morrow for Jeremy P. So Brandon Cooks from Oregon State, Jason Morrow at tight end from Texas Tech, both first team, all CFFL. It's a heck of an accomplishment. Usually you don't see two players – come from the same year. It's like when you look at the all-first team, 06, 17, 16, 14, 13, 9, 2 from 16, 2 from 13. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, So interesting. So some really high-end performers uh, there during that time. And the only other one to make an all CFFL team was Devontae Adams. He is third team, <clears throat> excuse me, third team all CFFL um, for Jeremy. We look at the draft war. 
Jason Morrow went in the fourth round, huge pickup. Brandon Cooks went in the fourth round. So those two pick, uh, pickups in the fourth round netted a 7.8 total war. Uh, excellent value there. Antonio Andrews, first pick, second uh, second pick. Oh, I'm sorry. First round, second pick, second overall, 2.3 war for Justin B. Second round, fifth pick, 15th overall for Brad A. Willie Sneed and Eric Ebron going fifth round, eighth pick, 48th overall. Those were five of your best selections. Honorable mention, KCG, Marion Grice from Arizona State. KCG, Allen Robinson, Penn State. Bobby L., Mike Evans. Uh, and then Gator Hoskins. Those guys all went seventh, fourth, third, and sixth round, respectively. So those were some of your best players from uh, the 2013 draft. When we look at the non-JH players, um, because some of those wars are just awful because he didn't have anyone to play and those freshmen weren't actually playing. If we're looking at actually playing players, um, Kyle Carter from Penn State, that was it. Everyone thought he was going to be awesome. Uh, for Brian G, a minus 1.2 war. Blake Jackson for Rob B, RIP, uh, Oklahoma State tight end, negative 1.3. Bobby L, Chris Gallon, wide receiver, Bowling Green, maybe trying to capture some of that Freddie Barnes magic, a minus 0.9. Bo Blankenship, a first-round pick, fourth overall, negative 0.9 for KCG. Um, not ideal. And really, it was a bad run here uh, for some of these players for Casey. Taylor Kelly, Amari Cooper, Matt Jones, minus 7, 0.7, minus 0.7, minus 0.8 um, wars. So some, some uh, tough productivity there. And again, when we look at historically, Jason Morrow had the third best war for any offensive player in our league in 16 years. Uh, and it was by far the best for tight ends. Derek Carr had the eighth best season for a quarterback, and that's what's interesting. Like we just got done discussing the 2018 season, and we made you know faint mention of Derek King because they didn't, his team didn't do anything, and it's kind of like you know. Joe Burrow put up one of the greatest seasons in college football history, but he just died on the Brian R team and doesn't really have any impact in our league, even though his season was sick, kind of what Derek King was. But it's like his season was slightly better than Derek Carr's. But we'll always remember Derek Carr's season because it was the 15th best season of all time and the eighth best at the quarterback position. The Brandon Cook season uh, for Brian S. was the best for a wide receiver ever at 3.5 war. So we have the best tight end and the best wide receiver season in CFFL history taking place in 2013. It's a pretty big accomplishment. And you combine that with Derek Carr being a top 10 season and also Devontae Adams being the ninth best season from uh, a wide receiver perspective. We had eight players in the top 100 seasons. Uh, top one, we had eight players in the top 100 of all-time seasons in the CFFL here. Amaro, Carr, Cooks, Devontae Adams, Jordan Lynch, Antonio Andrews, Willie Sneed, Kadeem Carey, Eric Ebron. 
I'm sorry, not Ebron. Take Ebron out of there. All of the, the everyone I mentioned before that top 100 CFFL players, which when you have 16 years now of data, that's kind of saying something. So 2013 was a very prolific year. There was a lot of scoring taking place there. Then you had two of the best play, uh, your best wide receiver, best tight end performance ever in that time. So, you know, 10 team league at that point, but still a lot of fireworks that were taking place. You had a, a very compelling playoffs, new blood versus some of the old blood. Justin, you know, JB is still going for his first title, still elusive first title. He comes up short against Brad when everybody thought Justin was just going to absolutely run away with it because look at his roster. Look at some of these guys here who are all-time players. But, hey, Willie Sneed came up big for Brad. He supported Carr. He had situational play from other players. So even though Justin had some great players, when you look at Antonio Andrews, Kadeem Carey, and Eric Ebron, that really did form a nucleus. And even Johnny Manziel had a good season of 1.7 war. You throw in like Deontay Greenberry. I mean, there were players who were contributing plus, plus value at their positions. But it just didn't work out. Brad got enough from Sims. Brad got enough from Sneed. And he got more than enough from Carr. And sometimes that's what it comes down to. It makes sense till you actually have to do it. But on the 10-year anniversary of the Brad A. Championship, um, I think it's very appropriate to take a little bit of time to congratulate him on that, on that big W. Because as we get older, those victories age like a fine wine. Especially now that you know, at that time you had 10. Now we're we're bumping shoulders at 16. And as we get older, maybe we don't know as much about the players that we are drafting. But hey, who knows, right? That pretty much does it. Uh, like I said, we covered a lot of the 2018 and 2013 one in one of the first podcasts about the unexpected winners. Uh, but it's still important to kind of give a, a, a time capsule of 2013. I think it's important to understand that, well, yes, this was the Brad A, this was the upset year. You were also talking about some historical and prolific scoring from some other uh, uh, offensive players. And to have that much firepower in the CFFL 100, uh, that's saying something. So I think that 2013 was really a – it was a special year in the CFFL. A lot of firepower that still – look, that's the 2013 season. We've had, what, eight football seasons, be nine seasons this year. COVID's going to throw that off forever. And, I mean, Cooks is still first team all CFFL. Jason Morrow, I don't know if Morrow is ever going to get – I don't know if a tight end is ever going to get that high. Harrison Bryan got pretty high, but I think Amaro may stay in that spot forever. For Brandon Cooks to still be number one at wide receiver, it's hard. I mean, you play three wide receivers a week. If you want, like you would think that somebody would have been able to come around and, and replicate that season, but it hasn't happened for the top tight end, and the top wide receiver season to still stand 10 calendar years later. Um, that's saying something that 
there there was a lot of firepower taking place that year. And there were still some guys on the on the up and coming here, like Mike Evans, Todd Gurley, Sammy uh, Sammy Watkins, Allen Robinson. You know, like James White just retired from the NFL. So it's like you hear that, you're like, oh, there's a lot of big names that took place here that were around at this time. I think we could call it there. Uh, we are making our way through this list. Hope that you liked uh, Memoria 2013. We will continue putting these out. And if you got any feedback or you need any help sleeping, feel free to put these on or reach out to me if you got any comments. But I hope everyone's doing well. Can't wait uh, to connect with uh, all of you in the near future. And if you need anything at all, be in touch. Have an awesome evening. And I will talk to you soon. Checking out. And have a good one.